Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Friday, September 11th. S&P futures are rebounding from yesterday's slump. So S&P futures are up about 30 points. That's about 90 basis points. NASDAQ futures are up 145 points. That is 1.3%. Asia generally finished in the green despite the US price action yesterday. And Asia, I'm sorry, Europe's major indices are trading down about 15 to 30 basis points. Uh, so again, not a lot to talk about this morning in terms of major incremental news. Um, you know, just running through kind of the major macro themes, uh, the buckets of kind of macro topics. Um, U.S. fiscal stimulus, obviously very much front and center. So we had the GOP, quote unquote, skinny bill yesterday in the Senate. It uh, achieved a majority of voters, but did not come close to the 60 vote threshold. So that has failed. Um, all the re- articles this morning and last night talk about how the odds of any type of pre-election stimulus um, are essentially at zero at this point in time. I think that had become the market consensus over the last several days, so it's not that's not shocking at all. There is still a sliver of of chance that um, you know there is some type of a compromise reach. There are there's talk that moderate Democrats in the House are alarmed by um, by the fact that there won't be any more stimulus, and they're urging Pelosi to take some type of action. Pelosi spoke last night, talked about how she's not backing away from her two trillion uh, demand for kind of the, another mammoth bill. Um, so I think, again, the big issue is the disconnect between McConnell and Pelosi as far as their bid ask. Um, you know, the, the Republican bill yesterday was really only about $300 billion of incremental spending um, and Pelosi still at $2 trillion. So still a huge gap. Um, and again, absent some type of market pressure, either a very severe market slump and or a very severe de- de- deterioration in economic data, I just don't see how there's a lot of pressure applied to Washington to reach some type of a compromise. But, um, you know, odds close to zero, not necessarily at zero. Um, nothing all that dramatic on the, on the monetary policy front. You obviously had the ECB yesterday. You know, the message is very much we're doing a ton at the moment. We don't see the need to do any more. We're going to sit back and watch. Um, you know, that was the message. You had a lot of ECB officials on the tape this morning. Um, kind of just following up on the ECB meeting, you could argue that some of the commentary today is a little bit more dovish than Lagarde was yesterday. Um, But again, I think the ECB is very content with what they have in place and they're going to watch, which kind of brings you to the Fed, which is coming up on the 16th next week. Um, I've written a lot about it. I have a pretty thorough preview on on the website. I have links to it this morning. Um, You know, I think the Fed is very is probably going to be very much of the same mind as ECB in that they're doing a ton at the moment. You have rates at zero. You're buying 120 billion a month of assets. Um, You know, clearly the statement, um, the Fed monetary policy statement needs to see some revisions. It definitely sounds stale at times. Um, And you're going to see updated forecasts as far as economic activity and and you're going to get a new dot plot. Um, so they can signal that they're going to keep ZERP in place for a very long time. But I don't think anyone should be expecting some type of shock and awe announcement out of the Fed next week. Um, so I think, you know, I, I, think expecta- I think the issue is more on the market expectation front than it is the Fed. Um, you know, the Fed is extremely dovish right now. Um, so the market really should not be clamoring for ty- um, any type of massively incremental easing out of the Fed next week. So that's the monetary policy front on the economic data front. Not much today to talk about. China's M2 money supply. You had a couple of industrial production numbers out of Europe. Um, again, neither of them are really going to have much impact on the market. On U.S. politics, uh, very similar to what we've been talking about for the last several days. So you had um, Biden's poll figures had deteriorated towards the end of August into early September. They've since stabilized and bounced a tiny bit. 
So his battleground average lead is now four points and his and his national lead is about seven and a half points. So uh, a little improvement over the last several days, but still kind of in that range of, um, you know, a, a large national lead, but a much closer battleground lead. Um, and that's probably going to be um, I'd imagine it's going to probably those numbers will stay relatively steady going forward. Um, there was an interesting article on the on the Washington Post yesterday talking about how um, you're going to see much higher levels of uh, early voting this cycle versus you versus what you saw in 2016, which means um, you know a lot of a lot of voting activity is going to start occurring pretty soon. So into um, you know in September, then going into October, um, which suggests that it's going to be a much different race than than normal, where you have a lot of voting that takes place uh, you know obviously on, on November 3rd. Um, the next big political debate, I'm sorry, the political catalyst, it looks like it will be the first debate on September 29th, but you do have two town hall events next week. Um, so Trump is going to be doing a town hall on ABC on September 15th. I think more important will be Biden's town hall on CNN on September 17th. This will be kind of Biden's real first town hall type of event since he accepted the nomination. Um, you know, I think I think voters get a lot of Trump all day, every day. Um, but Biden definitely has not been as available, um, especially in terms of just taking questions from um, from from voters. So those town halls, I think, will be in focus uh, looking into next week in terms of politics on the covid front. Again, very similar to what we've been talking about, where you have U.S. cases that are that are well off of their July peak. You have European cases that continue to climb. So you have uh you know, uh, France yesterday in particular had a pretty ugly number in terms of infection rates. So the the European figures are rising. U.S. numbers are falling. U.S. though still is, a, is at a relatively high absolute number. Europe is still at a relatively low absolute number. Um, on the vaccine front, again, I think markets never really concerned about the AstraZeneca pause. Most assume that that is a very, um, you know, standard type of event that should... Um, the trial should resume relatively soon. I think most people assume by next week you should see headlines that the AstraZeneca trial is resuming. If it does not resume by next week, um, I think people will get a little bit more anxious that there perhaps is something else um, that it could be a, a more severe problem. But um, again, markets are not all that concerned. They also do think, again, I think the consensus expectations that we'll hear from one of uh, the main candidates, whether it's Astra, the Pfizer, or the Moderna one, um, that we will know that one of them will be safe and effective by the end of October. That does not mean you'll get an FDA um, EUA. It does not mean that the trials will be complete. Just that one of them will, um, whether it's it's a leak of data or it's companies pre-announcing kind of some preliminary numbers, that um, it will be known that one of them was safe and effective by the end of October. That's still the rough uh, consensus thinking on that topic. Um, Brexit, again, it, it's, it, it looks very bad. I just don't, you are not seeing that issue kind of... Uh, it's being crowded out by so many other more important macro topics in the U.S. that it's just not a big factor for U.S. equities. Um, certainly, the, the pound is, I think, bearing the brunt of kind of the Brexit anxiety. So I think that's kind of staying contained in the U.K. It's not really going to um, – I don't think it's going to become a major topic in the U.S. So that those are the big kind of macro themes. Um, on the micro front, you had a couple of items. So Peloton, very strong numbers, very strong guidance. Um, you know, definitely not to the extent of like a zoom meet, uh, zoom in terms of the, the magnitude of upside, but very positive call. Um, they're doing all the things right. It's a question of whether or not the stock continues rallying or you see people fade it. I would, I would guess it's going to be more the latter just given, um, you know, the change psychology, I think around some of these growth momentum names, um, Oracle was, was very strong, very positive call. Um, 
And then you had uh, Chewy was the other major one last night. Probably not enough for elevated expectations. In Europe, you have Altice Europe received a takeout bid from its majority owner for 411 euro per share. So that's a relatively large deal. That stock is the top name in Europe, up about 20 plus percent. Um, luxury stocks are the other area of outperformance in Europe. Banks are leading on the downside, um, which is, again, kind of what you've been seeing in the US where banks just trade horribly. They this cannot seem to find any support. Um, and I think at this point in time, going forward, any type of rally in the US should be viewed with um, skepticism if you are not seeing it led by banks. I think the banks are just a critical group that have to start participating. And if they don't, then um, you know I just think rallies are, are going to continue to get sold. Um, in terms of the broader market, uh, you know, again, I think my my biggest gripe for months has just been valuation, um, and and it's still you know you're at levels where valuations are not cheap by any means, and you still have a lot of kind of big macro um, uh, uncertainty on the horizon. Um, so just kind of putting some figures around it, you know, 165 is still the 2021 S and P consensus. Um, putting 20 times on that gets you to 3300 on the S and P. That's cash index. Um, so still a little bit below where you closed yesterday. And then if you want to go back to 19 times, that's down to 3150. Um, so again, it's just it's just an issue of kind of what multiple the market wants to use. You know, back in in August, you definitely had a lot of multiple optimism of people talking about you know 21, 22, 23, 24 times. Um, but for a variety of reasons, I continue to think that those multiples are um, you know very very inflated. Uh, for the calendar today, it should be very quiet. You just have the US CPI at 8.30 and Kroger is the only earnings report on the calendar. Just quickly into next week, the Fed is the big event on Wednesday. Um, you have Adobe and FedEx that are going to report Tuesday night. You have a Moderna and Pfizer analysts. Both, both, are, both are having analyst meetings. Neither will probably spend a lot of time um, focusing on COVID though. So I don't think they're going to, I don't think you're going to see major COVID headlines out of either event other than you know, the company's expressing optimism and, and repeating a lot of their prior rhetoric. Um, Apple's September 15th event is supposed to be focused on the watch. Um, you have more sell-side conferences. The Barclays Financial Services Conference on the 14th and 16th, I think is going to be the most important. Again, I think banks are critical for the market right now. Um, I would imagine the tone from banks at that conference should be positive on reserve builds, which is probably the single most important topic for banks. Um, I've written uh, I've written about that in the past. I'll probably have more about it in the weekly recap today. Um, and you have those Trump Biden town halls, and then uh, ostensibly there should be some development on uh, TikTok, but that is uh, that seems to be a very fluid situation. So that is everything for today. Thank you for listening.